Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice with Jules. I am so glad to be back. It's been almost, I guess, about a month now since the last show that I did. The summer kicked in in full force and after our big month of gluten-free and celiac awareness in May and all the shows we packed in there, um, I actually took a little bit of a break and have, have done some traveling and am now back and I'm happy to say I made it back in one piece with lots of fancy, um, you know, little trinkets that I bought on my overseas trip and lots of really great tips that I brought back as well. So tonight's show is all dedicated to that. I um, I know a lot of you do know that I returned recently from my trip to Europe and I just picked up so many little pieces of advice and so many tips that I compiled along the way that it just seemed like dedicating a show to this topic would be really helpful for a lot of people. You know, it's hard enough just to travel domestically sometimes, you know, to feel like you're packing uh, all of your provisions for yourself or for your family for, you know, a long weekend or for a trip away. And if you're boarding an airplane, it makes it even more complicated. Well, then you layer on the international travel piece and people start to get a little um, overwhelmed. So um, tonight's show is all about traveling internationally. If you have, you know, uh, celiac disease, if you're living gluten-free for other reasons, or, you know, even if there are other food allergies in your life or in the one of your family members' lives. My restrictions um, as I travel, and you'll hear me talk about them, my restrictions are that I have celiac disease, and so I therefore live a very strict gluten-free diet. But I also have lactose intolerance, which many of us who have celiac disease in particular are lactose intolerant, so I avoid dairy. And I also am pretty much of a vegetarian. I do eat some fish, but other than that, I don't do any meat at all. And in fact, as I traveled, that piece seemed to be the one that almost gave me more trouble than anything else. So even if you're listening and you say, well, that's not my restriction, I you know, have another restriction, it doesn't really matter. The tips that I'm going to be giving you and the, you know, the highlights of what I learned and have brought back to share with you are really applicable no matter what your restrictions are, how many restrictions you have. So you know, without further ado, you know, the first thing that you do when you're traveling is to get on an airplane, typically, especially when you're traveling to Europe. And I know a lot of us who've traveled domestically recently are sort of used to the fact that we don't get those free meals anymore. They, you know, will maybe come around with a cart and offer you a meal for fee, but they don't give you a free meal. Well, on international flights, for the most part, they do still give you a free meal. So that means well in advance of your flight, you should call the airline with which you have booked your plane tickets overseas and ask for a special diet meal because otherwise they're going to come around and they're going to give everybody but you something to eat. And that's kind of a bummer, but it also you know, is something that's part of what you've paid for. So you might as well try to get something that would suit your diet. Now, again, I have several food restrictions. You may or may not have several, but I will caution you that while gluten-free is a choice on these menus now, and it didn't used to be. So we have you know, a lot of awareness and education to thank for that. But gluten-free is a choice on these, but it's not – you can't normally ask for more than one. So, for example, in my case, I asked for gluten-free, and I asked for lactose-free, and I asked for vegetarian. And, in fact, what I got – and I, I was very suspicious of whether they were going to be able to do this or not. And so I went into it knowing that I doubted I was going to eat what they sent me. But what I got was, in fact, a gluten-free roll that had dairy in it, and I got gluten-containing pasta that was vegetarian, and I got a um, cookie that was actually not 
um, gluten-free. So it was not a very successful trip in terms of the airport uh, or the airline serving us a meal that would be suitable for our diets. But just be aware, especially if you only have one dietary restriction, you should definitely call and get that meal that suits your diet. If you know, if I had simply ordered a gluten-free meal, I'm quite certain that they would have served me meat, which is what most people do when they are going gluten-free in restaurants and what most restaurants um, do in terms of offering a gluten-free meal is they will just give you meat and it's you know prepared with nothing on it and that way they can be safe and be sure that they're not contaminating you. But just so you're aware of that possibility, you should actually call the airline and see what they can work up for you. Now, in terms of other things that I brought along with me, again, knowing that I wasn't really going to be able to eat what they served on the airplane, I always, always, always pack lots of provisions, whether I'm going on a plane flight, whether I'm going on a car um, excursion, if I'm going on um, a long or a short trip, it doesn't matter. I always pack provisions. For example, domestically, what I typically do, especially when I'm traveling for weekends to do shows or things like that, I'll make up a big batch of gluten-free, dairy-free blueberry muffins. And I put them in a Ziploc bag, and I'll eat them for three or four, sometimes five days, depending on how you know long I'm gone. They stay fresh and moist, and they're so yummy. And at least I know I have something for breakfast. And then, you know, obviously you can have them for snacks as well. And that's a wonderful thing to do in advance if you have time, to just bake something like that up, some muffins or some scones. Just keep them in a Ziploc bag. And especially if you're you know, following one of my recipes or with my flour, you shouldn't worry about them being hard or stale or anything like that the next day. Mine stay really soft and moist for days, so it's good, good to carry those on. Um, the other thing that I would suggest that you bring with you is some sort of a trail mix. And again, you may have something um, in you know, your diet or that cannot be in your diet that would not be suited to a commercially prepared trail mix. Look around and see because there might be one that will actually suit your dietary restrictions. If not, make it yourself. And that often ends up being cheaper anyway. And then you're not picking through the trail mix for the things you like and leaving the other ones aside and just skewing the the proportions and, and causing mass hysteria. So you put in there what you want. So, for example, what I would do is use a gluten-free uh, kind of a Chex cereal, something like that, a rice Chex type of cereal. There's um, an organic one that's on the market that I really like. And then I'll put in glutino, gluten-free pretzels because I love those. And then I'll put in different kinds of nuts that I like. I love almonds, so I'll put those in there and some peanuts. And then you could even put in other fruits. You could put raisins or dried cranberries or anything like that that you'd like to have. So you just add all that together. You don't even have to put any kind of a of a sauce on it, you just add it all up in a bag. And in fact, on our flight over to Europe, that was our dinner because we had um, we had actually eaten a late lunch on a layover. And so, you know, in the middle of the night when we woke up and we were kind of hungry, we just ate a bunch of trail mix, and it was fine. You know, it wasn't you know any kind of a gourmet dinner, but it it meet it met our needs, and it was just fine to have that on board. So that's a really great thing to carry with you. The other thing I I never leave home without is gluten free protein bars. Again, depending on your particular dietary restrictions, you can find ones that will suit your needs. The ones that are some of my favorite, because, of course, I can do nuts, and I just don't do the dairy or um, or any other gluten. I really love several different brands, and I carried $80 worth of these protein bars with me on this trip because I never wanted to go hungry, and I never wanted to be you know, cranky because I hadn't eaten and I was 
sad that I couldn't eat somewhere we went. I didn't want it to hold me back because we had grand plans of going somewhere different every single day, traveling all around and seeing you know, all kinds of different places, and I didn't want that to hold me back. So some of the bars that I really like, and you can read more about my reviews of these blogs, of these bars on my blog at blog.julesglutenfree.com. If you look up in the search function, um, granolas and bars, I've written several different reviews of different bars. Or you can look on Living Without Magazine's food blog and search for my name, Jules Shepard, and bars, and I did a big review of bars from Expo West for them as well. Some of the ones that I really like are the Luna Protein Bars. And you have to look for the protein ones because the other Luna Bars are not gluten-free. But the entire Luna Protein line is gluten-free. They're less than 200 calories. They're very filling. They taste really good. And they um, they actually are gluten-free. They also have a new one in the Cliff line that's called Kits Organic. It's brand new this year. And those are also gluten-free and organic. Kind Bars, I just I love them. They're They're basically just pressed nuts just all squished together and it's got a great texture because it's just really crunchy and hard and I really love that and there's got lots of different flavors Quest bars are really fantastically high in protein if you're looking for that in your diet Lara bars is another one that actually um, they've got a really broad line of different flavors of their Lara bars that are all gluten free Think Thin is another brand that has some really nice nut bars Zing bars which are really super tasty and I, I love a lot of their flavors, and you can find those in more and more places. The the Nugo bars, Nugo Nutrition bars, the ones that are dipped in dark chocolate, those are also really nice to take with you if you're not in the middle of a heat wave like we're having here in the Mid-Atlantic. And then any of these bars that have chocolate on them are just, you know, you're going to need lots of napkins. Um, Phil Kogan's Now Bars are another one that I really like. Those are nut-free, and they have chia seeds in them, and, and it's just a really nice texture. It almost is the same texture as like a rice. Crispy. It's really nice. I like those a lot. Pure organic bars, the gluten-free bars. There's there's a ton of them out there, and you'll find one that you really like and stock up on it and carry them with you. Always have one in your pocketbook or your briefcase or your diaper bag or wherever that you need in case of you know snack emergencies. But especially when you're traveling overseas and you may not run into a place that has what you need, you can at least have a bar to tide you over. So um, on to other meals of the day. I also pack gluten-free oats, or you could pack another breakfast cereal. And one of the reasons why I really like the gluten-free oats, and again, it has to be certified gluten-free oats. Don't don't um, ever, if you have celiac disease or are gluten intolerant, don't ever buy oats that are not certified gluten-free because they will probably be contaminated with gluten. So if you pack the gluten-free oats, they take up a, just a tiny little bit of space, and obviously when you add boiling water to them, then they actually take up um, a lot much larger space and fill your stomach. And so they're super healthy. They don't weigh anything at all to pack them. They don't take up a lot of space. And you can add anything at you know your destination to them. If you happen to be eating in a hotel bar, um, you know, restaurant area, they may have some fresh fruit you could throw in with the oats or other things like that. So it's a really fantastic thing to carry with you. And make sure, just because you don't know whether you're going to have access to a stove or not necessarily, make sure you buy the instant gluten-free oats because those you just have to add boiling water to. And that you can find in you know at any coffee bar or anything has the, the boiling water. And if you, unless you're traveling someplace that you know and you're certain that they have gluten-free pasta, then 
I suggest packing gluten-free pasta to take with you. It's not heavy because it's dried. The penne versions or the short noodles are easier to pack because they don't break as much, but really anything you can get your hands on. Just take a package of them, and then you can restock if you're in a, in a place where it maybe has it with you. But it's just super easy to throw in your checked bag, and if you don't use them, then you bring it back. It's no big deal, but at least you know you have it. And, you know, basically, in terms of finding out a good place to go, you really need to do a lot of homework. And I suggest, you know, at least a couple weeks in advance of when you're leaving to really dig deep and find out as much information as you can about restaurants in the area. And, you know, I found several great blogs of people who had just visited places that I was going or even people who resided there and posted information about different places to eat that were safe for celiacs. And I would print that information and I would print a map of the area of the town where I was. And that would have, you know, the directions or the site of this restaurant. And I put them together in a three-ring binder and each sleeve of the three-ring binder was a clear sleeve and I would slide in the information about the restaurant on one side and the information with the map on the other side. And that way, as we traveled and I knew what order we were going to be visiting different places in, then I would just simply flip to the next town or location that I had information printed out on already. And I cannot tell you how much time this saves you when you're you know, in a foreign country or in another place you've never been to actually have this done in advance and to have it printed because you don't know if you're going to be around an internet cafe or you don't know if your iPhone's going to work or you know, maybe you didn't activate it. We tried to go kind of off the grid and not activate our phones while we were abroad, you know, saving a lot of money, but also just trying to really, truly have a vacation. And that also meant that I couldn't do any of this research when I was there unless I went to an Internet cafe. So it was helpful to have those. And then the binder is really super nice to have anyway because you could put all of your, you know, your passport information in there, your copies of your passport, your flight information, you know, anything like that you can put in the binder. So we just carried the binder with us everywhere we went. And it was super easy to flip through and find what we're looking for. In terms of staying someplace, you know, a lot of people write that off and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Where I stay doesn't have anything to do with what I'm eating, but it really could. And I would highly, highly recommend in your travel planning that you perhaps look into staying at a bed and breakfast or a and b Besides the wonderful benefits of, of a and b like meeting locals um, who work and live there in a safe and casual environment, um, they could actually show you other places that you may not have known about as well. For example, you know, when we stayed in Umbria in Italy, which is a fairly rural, very, very, very small town in, in Umbria for the most part, and one of the proprietors at Airbnb hopped in our car one day and took us to a restaurant that was well off the beaten path that we would never have probably found, certainly would not have known that it might have had something that would serve, you know, food that I could eat. And he took us there and said, you know, here you are. This is, you know, where, you know, you should try to eat here because I think they'll take care of you. And they did. They actually brought out some gluten-free little, they call them biscuits, or they're cookies, and they brought those out just from a package that they had bought somewhere. But it was very sweet and nice of them to do that. So, 
that was the proprietor of the B&B. And you get to know them. And, you know, it's, that's a, a whole other part of the experience of traveling overseas. It's just so fun to do that. But it can also really help you with your food. The other thing B&Bs do is, of course, bed and breakfast. So they make you breakfast. And if you book in advance with a bed and breakfast, you can let them know about your dietary restrictions. And they can be prepared for you so that they can have breakfast that you will be able to eat. Of course, you might also bring your gluten-free oats with you, which is what I did. But maybe they could buy a loaf of gluten-free bread and have some toast for you, or they could make you some eggs or something like that. And they would be aware of what your restrictions were. In my case, we arrived late at night, and the proprietors of our B&B had gone out and bought us gluten-free pasta. It was dry, gluten-free pasta. And they said, you know, here's pasta if you'd like it. You know, And, and it was just so sweet because they knew in advance what – what I needed, and they were, you know, there in their kitchen ready to help me. And if they can't make the dinner for you, then at least you would have access to their kitchen, and you might be able to make your own dinner and and treat it like home. And so if you, you know, ingratiate yourself with the proprietors, if you know in advance that they are going to be amenable to that, then you might be able to use their kitchen or maybe even, you know, have them cook for you another meal or something, and you'll have a great experience. The place that we stay, just in case you're wondering, because I know whenever I travel and I post that I've been somewhere, people always want to know where it was and, and what, what hotel or what restaurant. And the place we stayed was called Palazzo Maggio, P-A-L-A-Z-Z-O-M-A-J-O. And you can find them at palazzomaggio.com. They, uh, it's a wonderful little B&B that was just gorgeous. And it was in Umbria, Italy, as I said, owned by two brothers, Mars and Joe, which is how they got the name Maggio. I mean, they could not have been nicer and were so accommodating for my dietary restrictions. It was just wonderful. So it made our whole experience there so much better. It was a real lifesaver to have breakfast every day and to you know, have access to the kitchen if I needed it for dinners. And so I would highly recommend them. But, you know, call in advance, talk to other restaurants, uh, I mean, and, and bed and breakfast, and, and see if they can accommodate your needs. You'll get a good feeling about it, and you'll know if it's someplace you'd like to, to go. The other thing that I learned from staying in Umbria, as I mentioned, which is fairly rural, was I had a really difficult time, even doing my research in advance, finding places in Umbria along the way to have gluten-free lunch, for example. And again, I go back to I think if you eat meat, then you probably wouldn't have the troubles that I had because you could just simply go to one of these restaurants and order meat and you would have been okay. But it was quite difficult because Umbria is landlocked. There was very little seafood there, so I was I didn't have that as an option. And in the, the more rural areas, they really weren't dialed into the gluten-free nearly as much as they were in the larger areas. So, you know, where I would go to a restaurant in Umbria and they did not have gluten-free pasta or gluten-free pizza or anything that I would necessarily be able to eat that was gluten-free, going into some place like Rome, perfectly wonderful. And they had gluten-free pizza, lots of different places. They had gluten-free pasta, pasta, lots of different places. They had ethnic food, lots of different places. So it was not a problem at all in Rome, whereas when when I was in Umbria and visiting those smaller towns, it was a problem. And, you know, I like to be spontaneous, and I like to just say, oh, let's go here today, or let's stay here longer because we like it. And that made it more difficult for planning in advance and looking, um, looking for restaurants that might have suited my needs. So I would suggest to you, if you're especially if you're pressed for time and you don't have a whole lot of time overseas, I would definitely suggest planning your meals 
in as many large urban areas as possible. Because the, when when I found restaurants in Rome, for example, that did have these gluten-free products, they really got it. I mean, they said, oh, you're celiac? Oh, we're all over it. We know what celiac is. We're totally, you know, going to prevent cross-contamination, separate pasta bowls and separate, you know, everything. They got it. But, again, in the more rural areas, it was pretty difficult. This one restaurant that I found in Rome, as a matter of fact, um, it was really amazing. I walked in, and this is what you know anybody who lives gluten free it's their dream is to walk in a restaurant and have this you know huge menu of all different kinds of stuff, and they tell you that they can make absolutely anything on that menu gluten free and it kind of gives you pause, and you're like, maybe I didn't understand you correctly. <laughs> Did you really say you can make anything on this menu gluten-free? And this restaurant was amazing. It was right outside of the, the walls of Vatican City, and we decided, well, if if they're saying that they can make anything gluten-free, we're going to order a whole bunch of different things and see you know, how, how this goes down. And we ordered fried calamari, which was actually breaded in like a gluten-free starch of some kind, probably cornstarch. We ordered um, grilled fish encrusted with potatoes, smoked salmon, and bread. They actually did give us gluten-free bread. I can't say it was good, but it was gluten-free. And a house-made gluten-free veggie pizza without cheese. And we also had gluten-free beer. So they had um, Australia, uh, Dara, uh, Australia Dom Dara beer there, which was really fun to have on a hot day in Rome and while you're having a gluten-free meal. The waiter had told us, too, that at any given time there were six to ten people ordering off that gluten-free menu in this restaurant. And, in fact, when we asked, three of the seven tables around us were ordering gluten-free, too. So it was pretty neat to be in that restaurant and have all of those things uh, options available to us. I can't say that, you know, cheeseless pizza, you know, cheeseless gluten-free pizza was anything I would want to repeat, but it was fun to be able to order it and to know that I had options. And, you know, to know that I actually had choices. I'm sure if you could do the cheese, um, that this pizza would have been really lovely. And they actually do make their own pizza every day there in the restaurant, and they have cross-contamination protocols in, in the kitchen. And the fun part about it was that everything that came out to our table had a little toothpick with a, a country's flag on it, and that was their way of indicating that it was a gluten-free dish. And so no one could get confused from the kitchen to the wait staff to the table. We all knew which dishes were gluten-free, and it was really helpful, and I thought that was a really smart idea. If this still sounds a little overwhelming to you and you know, you're not not sure you're ready to take the plunge to international travel and you know, with dietary restrictions on your own, there are a lot of organized trips for groups now that are out doing all kinds of things all over the world, and they're gluten-free travel groups. And so you can go on a trip where someone else organizes it and makes sure that the meals are all gluten-free, and you go with a group of people. And there, I'm, you know, people I've heard have taken these and had wonderful, wonderful times. So if that's more your speed and you'd rather just hand it off to someone else, definitely look into those. Um, there's one that just got started. It's called glutenfreecruises.com, and I actually am going to be joining them on their maiden voyage next spring um, on the Danube River. And the entire cruise is going to be gluten-free, which I'll be helping to oversee that, and that'll be fun. And it promises to be super delicious because it's white tablecloth-style um, AMA charter boat cruises, and all of the meals are going to be gluten-free. And, of course, they're going to have wine and gluten-free beers, and it's going to be a fantastic you know, environment to be going down the Danube and see Prague. And um, I guess we're going to see Budapest as well. And it's just, it's going to be really wonderful. And to have the assurance that you can just kick back and relax knowing that your breakfast is going to be 
entirely gluten-free and your lunch is going to be entirely gluten-free and your dinner is going to be entirely gluten-free and you don't have to worry about it. And there's something to be said for that when you're on vacation, you know, just relaxing and letting somebody else do the worrying for you and you don't have to worry about anything. And everyone on the on the cruise will be eating the same food. It's all gluten-free. That way you don't have to worry about, you know, contamination and things like that. So it's going to be really exciting and I would suggest to anybody who's interested in that type of a vacation Go to glutenfreecruises.com and check it out because I think that it's going to be a fantastic time and it would be great to see you there on the cruise. There are some other travel groups that also do all kinds of neat things. There's one called Bob and Ruth's. And they and they're you know they go everywhere and they're always up to something so check on them and and then you know you can just do a simple internet search say gluten free vacations something like that and you'll come up with travel agents who kind of specialize in this type of thing and you know that'll be really helpful to guide you in your choices. I wanted to take a few reader questions and. These are, I think these are great questions because anytime I travel and post on the provisions that I've packed, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, I get tons of questions from folks who didn't even know you could pack food to carry onto the plane. I mean, with TSA and all of the, the crazy things that are going on now in terms of airport security, you just never know what you're going to be allowed to carry onto the plane. So fresh fruits and veggies are wonderful for domestic flights to carry on, like an apple or a bag of carrots or something like that. But that might they may give you a hard time for international travel. And just a word of warning about that. You might want to check on that before you go investing in a lot of fresh fruit to carry on the plane. But they're great, like I said, for domestic flights. And otherwise, all the provisions that I listed here are fantastic for you to carry in your checked or carry-on bag. The gluten-free oats, the gluten-free pasta, the trail mix, the bars, anything like that is just wonderful to have. And I, I just I think you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't pack things like that with you on the plane. Some of these flights overseas are very, very long. And it, there's nothing like like sitting there watching everyone else but you eat. And you know, if, especially if you've been on this plane for a really long time, you're going to want to have something to eat, at least a little munchy here or there. So I would really, really recommend bringing some of those things on board. Another reader specifically asked about carrying a five-pound bag of white powder, or otherwise known as Jules gluten-free all-purpose flour, onto her flight. And she was really concerned that they would obviously think that it was something else. And so my recommendation to her was that she carry it on in its original sealed and labeled packaging. The drug dogs won't hit on it, so the combination of seeing it in its original sealed packaging and then not having the drug dogs, um, you know, bat an eye should be just fine. But I would also tell people who are just really, really nervous and worried, although I don't believe that you need it, if it gives you some measure of confidence and helps you to relax, Get a note from your physician that you can carry with you saying that you are required to be on this special diet and therefore the things that you're carrying on the plane are things that you absolutely have to have. If that gives you some more measure of confidence, then it's worth it, whatever it takes for you to get that letter. I've never needed a letter like that, but again, if it gives you peace of mind, then get the letter. So in conclusion on on traveling internationally, I guess, my takeaways are that, you know, while it may be more difficult to be spontaneous while you're traveling internationally and you must simultaneously be considering food allergies or other dietary restrictions, it doesn't have to take the fun out of it. And I think you need to remember that because traveling is and always will be an adventure. But just decide how adventurous you want to be and plan your vacations accordingly. Chances are you aren't traveling because of food, 
you're just traveling because you want to see things. You want to see the sights. You want to experience the country or just get away. So just do it and be prepared, and you'll have a wonderful time. You'll experience things that you never realized you were missing. You'll see a country that you can't wait to get back to. You'll meet people who will change your life. You will you know, bring back pictures and mementos that will you'll treasure for the rest of your life. And don't let food or lack of food get in your way. If you have something portable with you at all times, it's safe. You won't be tempted to cheat and you won't be grumpy because you're so hungry and it'll let you to you know, it'll let you really enjoy what you're seeing and experiencing. And that's why you're vacationing. And if you're one of those folks who really would rather not have to worry about it at all, then I would highly suggest those, you know, dedicated gluten free groups or the cruises so that you don't have to worry about it, that you can actually relax and truly enjoy your vacation. So for all of you who are considering traveling internationally or even domestically, I would definitely encourage that you do it. And if you have any other questions about it or any suggestions or if you want to ask me specific questions, please don't hesitate to post on Jules Gluten-Free Flower and Facebook. Tweet me on Twitter, Jules Gluten-Free, or contact me through our website at JulesGlutenFree.com, and we will hook you up however we can and try to help you out because we all deserve a vacation once in a while. All right, safe travels, everyone. Good night.